welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. Three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you enjoy today's discussion. Let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. I didn't say it last week. I didn't give an episode number or a title. So I'll make sure I do it this week by saying this is episode 30. Last week, we covered Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when we got done, I think we decided that we still had more to say about the subject. So welcome to part two. And just as a refresher, this comes out of 1 Corinthians 2, the first two verses, which say, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we talked about that being the five-word distillation of the true gospel message, you know, one of the shortest, most succinct ways of putting it. And one thing I didn't say and I will say today is, I I have looked, and I have never found anything in the Scripture that defies that being the the true, full gospel message. But like I said, we decided we had more to talk about, and I think tonight we're going to talk about the cross, the cross portion of that, and uh, what it was, and what it ultimately means to us and to us as Christians as a whole. So with that rather verbose introduction, Mark, I'm going to go ahead and let you get us started with the cross. I will try not to be as verbose, Tim, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, that's kind of hard for me. So yesterday, yesterday, the last podcast, we really talked a lot, just a lot about five words, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you can't really talk about that without realizing that one of those words and probably the most, well, one of the most powerful words in there and meaningful and packed with um, ramifications is the type of death that Christ suffered for us. Death on a cross. Scripture says that he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And I just happened to be watching over the last few weeks uh, a docu-series on the Roman Empire. And they talk about crucifixion in it. And at that time, no Roman citizen, even just your, it didn't have to be nobility, even your average Roman citizen could not be crucified. The cross was reserved for the lowest dregs of society, the outcast absolute slaves uh, who had done the most serious crimes. So when Christ came to humble himself, he didn't just come to die for us by a quick death, by being beheaded, or they had a lot of ways to kill people. Some were quick and merciful. This, though the cross itself has become the greatest symbol of mercy and grace and God's love, the cross itself was the most unmerciful death one could die, and therefore only only uh, reserved for the lowest outcasts of society. And that's what Christ came and gave his life for. It just, it just I think, accentuates and further drives home just the depth of God's love for us, that he, he, Christ came and was humiliated 
to the lowest form of capital punishment. And before he even went to the cross, he was falsely accused and mocked, insulted, spit on, hit. Oh, they pretended to worship him, you know, like he was a king, even though he really was the king. Uh, They flogged him. Most people died from the flogging before they even got to the cross. He went through as much as anybody could go through to take care of our sin that we might become sons and daughters. He basically took what what was ours, you know, and just you could just sometimes just think about the fact of what it would have been like if we would have hung on the cross for our sin, which was our just punishment. Just blows you away. Yeah, you know, Mark, you mentioned uh, a scripture humbled himself. You know, I'm looking at that. I also had it pulled up. So I want to read a couple of uh, scriptures around that. It talks about our Lord Jesus Christ, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of, as, a, as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So for him, for God to become a man, that is already humbling a lot, right? Because he emptied himself of his godliness and became a human being. And not only he became a human being, he became a bond servant. And then not only he became a bond servant, but he humbled himself to the point of uh, even the death on the cross, you know. You know, on one side, like you mentioned, right, you know, this is what we deserve, right? If we were to be punished, you know, that's what we would be punished, every one of us, right? Not just the people we think are the great sinners commonly, we name Hitler and people like that, but each one of us deserve the same punishment. In fact, if anything less would not do, right? You know, Lord Jesus Christ had to pay the penalty and take the punishment for each and every sin of the entire human race through all generations. So... On one side, you know, he took our punishment, right? So instead of us, he died. And on the other side, again, you know, like we always mention, it points to how much he loves us, right? The Bible clearly says, you know, for a for a sinner, no one wants to die. You know, for a good man, maybe perhaps someone would even dare die. But for a sinner, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that Bible. Sin, still sinners, he died for us. So it... It just, again, shows so much of his love for us, the the way he is crucified. You know, just to play off that point about, um, you know, how he emptied himself, he's Jesus Christ, he's God, one of the, you know, Trinity, so he's perfect. And he comes to earth and he lives a perfect life. And yet he took all that punishment. He didn't deserve any of it in any way, shape, or form at any time and took all that upon himself and then suffered so greatly for all of that. It's still hard for me to try and in my human mind to say, I'm not going to get punished for someone else's, you know, mistakes or mess ups, you know, but he, he didn't just do it for a few. He did it for all. And that's that's just amazing. And, and when he came, the humility to humble himself and die the death. It's like he went as low as low could be for us. 
He died, as I mentioned. Just imagine the dirtiest, poorest slave living in the streets of Rome, just filthy, who then goes out and does and murders or does something terrible that warrants the worst possible death. There's nobody in this world he can't identify with. There's nobody too low that he didn't go that low to get them, to to rescue them right where they were at. There's nobody who could say, I'm not good enough for Christ because he went with them. And I want to just say, if because uh, I, I really don't want to go into too many details here, Mark. You've started to mention some of the details of what he went through, and the crucifixion itself were so horrific. It is, it's mind-boggling that anyone survived to the point that they were actually hung on that cross, and then what they went through when they were up there. If you, you know, I would encourage you if you have a strong stomach to to investigate that. I think I don't know if we want to get too far into it here because it's. It's very, very difficult. What my old pastor used to point out that in the Greek, you know, we're pretty much familiar with uh, the scripture that tells us, by his stripes we, are, we have been healed, the stripes of his flogging. But in the original Greek, it actually says, by his stripe we are healed. And my old pastor used to say that's because it wasn't like the pretty, like not pretty, but when they show floggings on TV, you see these delineated, you know, flesh with a red stri- stripe going across. It says that he was beaten so badly you couldn't recognize him, that that his bones were showing and that it just looked like one big stripe. That's how bad just the flogging was. So, yeah, let's not get any deeper than that, but it just shows the depth of his love for us. And it's kind of interesting because some people, they tend to think, and I've heard this before, and it's somewhat, oh, what's the word, Um, intuitive, although wrong, is that if we only preach Christ and him crucified, if we only preach the gospel of God's grace, and we don't preach everything in the entire Bible— Wow, that's just so limiting. You know, it's like, isn't that going to get boring quick if our pastor just preaches Christ and him crucified? But that is the gospel, and it is the deepest, most powerful, meaningful, the ramifications that come off off of just that crucifixion. We can contemplate them for a lifetime and beyond and never get to the full understanding. In fact, before the Spirit came, before it was this mystery, it says that the cross is a mystery that's been hidden throughout the ages and now revealed by the Spirit to his apostles. It's a mystery that we're going to try to fathom the rest of our lives. And it's a, it's a mystery that, as we come into understanding, affects every single part of our lives, every relationship. It affects our thoughts. It affects our emotions, our peace. It affects, uh, did I say relationships? I think I did. Mentally, every part of us, every cell in our body, the gospel affects. So it's, it is not limiting. And that's, and, and when you think about it, you can take any subject in the Bible and you can preach that in the light of the gospel because that gospel gives meaning to whatever we talk about. 
you know, we can talk about being a good dad, you know, many churches, I don't want to be critical, but they'll give you, and we, we, we kind of somewhat tongue-in-cheek joke about the many-part series that many pastors in our past have done, teaching us how to do this or that, a 10-part series on being a good dad. But if you want to be a good dad, look at the cross. Look at, look at what the Heavenly Father sent His Son to do to make us His children. That's how you learn to be a good parent, uh, and just fill in the blank. You can take anything, you know, how to be a good friend. And every relationship it governs, every aspiration and endeavor in life, the cross affects. Yeah, in fact, Mark, you mentioned, you know, um, when we say Christ and him crucified or the cross, we don't necessarily mean just explaining the event, what happened, how he was beaten and uh, things like that, but also what it means to us, right? What actually happened and what it means to us as a believers because the cross is where the Lord Jesus Christ did everything that we require and that we need for all eternity. And the work is finished. So and so regardless of you know what we talk about in this Christian life, right? The underlying reason or the underlying current is still the cross. So we don't have to explicitly talk about the event itself, but we are talking about the cross all the time, and it shows up in every context of the gospel. And in fact, you know, I think probably it is maybe a good segue into actually talking about a couple of things, you know, what actually happened on the cross, and then also, you know, maybe going to um, some of the benefits. I don't know, Tim, what do you think? Before we jump into that, guys, let me just add one closing thought in that uh, on, on that criticism that if we just preach the cross, if we just preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, it's, it's limiting. But I would just add that all theology, and no matter what the subject of theology is, it all comes back and is centered on the cross, on what Christ did. Not the event, but the gospel, which the cross is at the center of that good news of God's grace. It's what gives meaning to atonement and forgiveness and our declaration and imputation of righteousness and the Spirit indwelling us. Everything comes back to the cross. So even when you just preach the cross and Christ and Him crucified, that, that holds all of theology. Yep, it is, uh, like I said, the distillation of the entire gospel into five words. And I, that, yep. according to Paul, that'll preach, brother. Yep. <laughs> I, th- I think that's in second opinions somewhere. Uh, but that's a, that's a good point that's uh, been made by both of you. And both of you have mentioned the ramifications and effects of the cross. And I think this would be a good time to pivot into that. So I'm going to throw it to Ajay. I think, Ajay, you might have a few thoughts on this. Yeah, sure, uh, Tim. Yeah, before going to ramifications, like, yeah, the first thing about the cross, yeah, I think it is also a ramification. Um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, the first thing about the cross is, you know, 
Lord Jesus Christ made the purification for our sins. In other translations, it says, you know, he purged our sins. And then what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So what it means is the work is finished. You know, I think that is the most important truth that we need to know about the cross. The work is finished. And... Uh, and it has many ramifications, right? Because the entire Christianity, everywhere we go, they are still trying to finish a finished work, right? They are not recognizing that the work is finished at the cross. You know, everything that is required is done at the cross. You know, Lord Jesus Christ, in fact, Hebrews chapter 2 says, he took on the form of human being, right? So he was made a little lower than angels, and the purpose of our Lord Jesus Christ becoming a man is not that, you know, he can experience the life of the human and he wants to see, you know, how it is like to be a human. But he explicitly came so that he can die. That's what Hebrews chapter 2 says, right? He came to taste death for every man. So he came with a mission into this world. He was made a little lower than angels. And as we just discussed, right, you know, he humbled himself to be like us, because in order to save us, it has to be one of us, right? You know, God cannot die for us because he is eternal, right? He cannot die. So he became a human so that he can partake of death. And the wages of sin is death. And he took our death upon himself, right? And he was punished for us since he was scourged. And the Bible says, you know, he became a man of sorrows. And he was acquainted with grief. And then he took our sicknesses upon himself. So everything that is needed to redeem us. In fact, the Bible says he became a curse for us, right? Everything that is needed for us, for our salvation through all eternity, is accomplished at the cross. And that's why the Lord Jesus said it is finished. And we refer to the work of Christ as a finished work of Christ. And but, you know, because many of us don't recognize this, we try to do something, right? You know, there are every other teaching except for the pure gospel of grace is about in the end we have to do something. The reason they come up with that is they are not realizing that the work is finished. That's an awesome point, Ajay. And as you read Hebrews 1, 3, it just really hit me that I've already mentioned how the cross was the most hideous death possible reserved for the lowest of the low. And that makes a huge impact on us as we think about how much he humbled himself to that point for us. But you really can't examine the cross and get the full meaning unless you also realize who it was that went that low for us. And that I think that's a perfect, uh, this is in the NIV, the same Hebrews 1, 3 you read, Ajay. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. This is who went to the cross. And when I actually have a song I wrote called Radiation off of this scripture, because when you think of the word radiance or radiating, it means emanating from. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. God's glory is shining through him, and he's the exact and I, in my, in the song I wrote, I don't, I pronounce representation as 
representations the way it sings well that way, but I think it makes more impact to say that he is the exact representation of God. He's being presented to us in bodily form. And and he's so powerful that all things are sustained. We know that he spoke creation into existence by his powerful word, and he sustains all things. This is the one that lowered himself as low as low could be for us to go for even the lowest. And that just even blows your mind more than how far low he went, how high he came from to do it. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, what was finished was the work for our salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. If you're believing a gospel that says, yes, but now you have to do X for God to do Y, you're wrong. It is finished. And and one of the reasons for that is because what can you do even the best thing that could come even a billion miles compared to what he did for us. You know what I'm saying? He just came from so high to go so low, the most unbelievable work for us. What can we add to that? I guess that's why it says the best that we can do is like filthy rags or in Ajay's uh, tra- uh, translation, filthy diapers. <laughs> that's what our best works are. So how can we add anything that would compare to what he's already done for us? That's ridiculous. When he said it's finished, it's finished not only because he did all the work, because We've got nothing we could add if we wanted to. In fact, it's an insult to his perfect work on the cross when we try to add to it. Amen. The best thing you can do to worship him is believe it and receive it and just rest in him because you can't do anything on your best day that even comes a billion miles close to what he did. Yeah, in fact, uh, the strongest warning in the book of Hebrews is warning against not believing that the work is finished. And many of us, you know, that's what we are struggling with, right? You know, uh, the reason why we still try to do something for God or try to do something to get something from God is because we are having a problem believing in the finished work. And there's a very strong warning, right? Hebrews, it says, you know, today if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, like in the day of provocation. So what happened in the Old Testament was Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, yeah, Lord Jesus Christ, God our Father, he gave the land to the Israelites and he said, you know, that is a land flowing with milk and honey. You don't have to do anything. Everything is prepared for you. You just have to enter the land. I have already given the land to you, but they did not believe it, right? So they doubted God. They doubted God's goodness and they doubted that, you know, God really has goodwill for them. They were thinking, you know, God hates them. And God brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness to kill them. So their problem was not holiness. Their problem was not trying to, that they were not obeying the law. But their problem was, they just could not believe in the goodness of God. They could not believe that God is telling them to enter the rest, right? The finished work. So now the author of Hebrews, you know, takes the same thing. And he says that today... After so many days, Lord is telling you, okay, if you hear his voice to don't harden not your hearts, like, you know, believe that God is saying again, the work is finished and he's inviting you to enter into his rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 says, 
Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of us be found to have fallen short of it. And then he goes on to say that in verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish following their example of unbelief. And it says, you know, in verse, uh, in the same chapter, it says, anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So again, the idea is, you know, if you are, if you have entered God's rest, just as God stopped doing all his works, right? He rested from his works. We also rest from our works. So the idea of entering his work, uh, his rest is that, you know, we set aside all our works and we set aside this idea of doing something and simply recognize that the work is finished. So the strongest warning again in the New Testament is warning against not believing the finished work. It is so important to realize that the work is finished. Good point, Ajay. Good point. Not just finished, but perfect. It's finished because it is perfect. Nothing needs to be or could be added to it. And I love what Paul said in Romans 1.17. He said, For in the gospel, the righteousness of, righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. What I love about that is that one of Christ's names is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So our righteousness is by faith from first to last in the one who is the first and the last. Everything is contained in him. We don't need to add one thing. From first to last means there's no room for you to try to get something in. He is the first and the last, and we just put our faith in him from first to last. Thank you, Mark. I think uh, I think maybe, the, Ajay, I think you have another point that you might want to bring up. Yeah, I have a bunch of them, but I think uh, probably for today <laughs> we can only cover that. But uh, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, you know, again, you know, t- look, talking about what actually happened on the cross, right? We talked about the work is finished and going a little deeper into it, right? You know, what is the work that is finished? In in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that, we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. <clears throat> so, you know, this thing, you know, it always amazed me, right? It's not just Lord Jesus Christ bore our sins or he was not just he was punished for our sins but the bible says he actually became sin on the cross who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of god in him so if you i thought about it a little bit right so it would be unjust for god to punish a righteous man you know lord jesus christ was perfectly righteous and the bible says you know it's an abomination to punish the righteous and also it's an abomination to let go of the sinner so here before the god can punish lord jesus christ right he did not punish the righteous lord jesus christ it says he became sin for us right 
so that he can justly, God can punish Lord Jesus Christ and he can still be sin because on the cross he became sin. I mean, it is unfathomable, right? You know how the holiness, the perfection of God is made sin. It's beyond us, right? We we don't know how that happened, but Bible says he became sin for us on the cross. And the consequence of that is we become the righteousness of God in him. In fact, you know, it is so much marvelous that we sinners can become righteousness of God, but it's even more marvelous that Christ became sin. That's even more impossible, right, for us to become righteousness, but Jesus becoming a sin is even more impossible. But that's what God did for us. One little um, addition here to what you said is, the scripture that you read doesn't say that he became sin for us. It it says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. I think there might be something in that too. God, the creator of the world, who has all the power, literally took the sin of the world and made Christ that sin. Yeah. In fact, that's a great point, uh, Mark. You know, God made him sin, right? In the same way, God made us righteousness, right? Right. It's not we ourselves who make us righteousness. And it's a direct uh, result or the... uh, or the... yeah, the direct result of Lord Jesus Christ becoming sin is us becoming righteousness. So, again, that's where what happened on the cross, right? At the cross, if our sins are paid for and our sin is not imputed to us anymore, then we are not sinners. So, at the cross, we became righteous. And that is the reason Jesus was raised from the dead. Bible says in Romans in one of the translations, it says Romans 4.25, He was delivered over to death for our sins, and He was raised to life for our justification. And in fact, some of the versions say, He was delivered over to death because of our sins and was raised to life because of our justification. So, because our sins are fully paid and we became the righteousness of God in Him, God was able to raise Jesus from the death and in raising him, he's also able to raise us from death. Because whatever happened to Jesus on the cross happened to us. And whatever happened to Jesus in his resurrection also happens to us. And the Bible says, you know, the wages of sin is death and the, and the righteous shall live. In order for someone to uh, inherit eternal life, they have to be made righteous first. So because Lord Jesus Christ paid all of our sins on the cross, and there is no more sin on us, we became righteousness of God at the cross. And because of that, he is actually able to raise Jesus Christ from the death in his resurrection. It's a heck of a transaction, him becoming sin so that we can become righteous. It's just an amazing thing. And I think one point I would like to just tack on to the end, even though it isn't completely what we're talking about, is... When we are made his righteousness, we are made his righteousness permanently, not just that one single shining moment of salvation, and now we got to bear down and work not to sin, because in God's eyes, we are Jesus' righteousness. We can no longer, we can no longer be held accountable for our sins to God. Yeah, that is uh, so true, Tim. Uh, In fact, again, it goes back to the work of the cross, right? He 
removed our sins once and for all perfectly. There is no sin that is on us anymore, right? So there's no way we, we can become a sinner again because all our sins through all generations for all human beings, starting from the day they were born until they die, they were put on Jesus Christ. Not one single sin that was not put on Lord Jesus Christ and that was not paid for. So there's no way we can become unrighteous again because Lord Jesus Christ took away all of our sins. This, this conversation really harkens me back to a recent epi- episode podcast uh, entitled Monergism versus Synergism, where we talked about uh, the believers that believe that God, it's God, monergism is one working. Synergism is working along with, so it's two working. And as we're looking at the perfect work of Christ and the power and the ra- him being the radiance of God's glory going that low for us, finishing the work, how can anyone think that we now add something, that we're going to add some kind of work to that unbelievable, powerful, loving, gracious, perfect work on the cross? How can it be synergistic? What am I going to add to make that better, to make it more effective in my life? It's just impossible. Uh, and, and it just, I want to read Romans 8, the first chapter, just really wraps everything we've been talking about here. It says, therefore, there is not, and therefore, referring to the cross, okay? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. He tell us, tells us right there, the law, our doing, our, our working is powerless because our flesh is weak. So God did it by sending his son in the likeness of our sinful flesh, making him sin and, and just doing it on our behalf. And, and I love this. It says right here, it says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. It doesn't say might be 98% met in us, and now you better start getting some synergism in there and adding the final 2%. It doesn't say 99.9%, and you better add the 0.01. It says fully met. The cross, when we put our faith in the cross, that righteous requirement of the law has been fully met. It is finished, Christ said, because he fully met it. There's nothing else for us to do other than to rejoice, to receive it, to rest in it, and just to live the, the, the life that God means for us as sons and daughters, heirs with Christ of everything he accomplished on that cross and in his resurrection. Amen. 
That's powerful stuff. Yep, God didn't say I saved you unto your salvation, and that's it. <laughs> you know, it's it's you're saved, you're righteous. Praise the Lord. See you in heaven. <laughs> yep. All Jesus, all the time, from the first to the last. <laughs> and and I got to give you kudos for working in hearkened into that one. <laughs> that's one of our favorite words on this podcast. It's not one that's easy to work in either. So, Ajay, I know you've got a lot more items to discuss, but we do we do try to keep our podcast to a certain length. So what I'm going to suggest is one more part to this series where we go over the rest of those items and uh, prep to sign off for the day for this episode. And I want to give you guys, as has become a tradition, a chance for any last words for this episode before we part. So... I'm going to go in reverse order from the alphabet. Mark, what do you want to say? I'm going to finish up with my exact same finish from the last podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for doing it all, for doing all of it, that there's nothing left for for us to do except rejoice in the perfect work of the cross and the love that God showed us there. Yeah, I would say, you know, the... Work is finished. You know, let us start thinking about really, you know, grasping that, the reality that the work is finished. And we are not only Christ is seated uh, in heavenly places besides God, but we are seated in Him. So I pray, you know, not only for me, but for everyone, that we begin to enter into this finished work in every area of our life. The reason we struggle in some areas of our life is we do not see that the work is finished in that area as well. So I personally wanted to live more and more by the finished work, by the realization that the work is finished and what it really means to us in every facet of our life that the work is finished. So this is something we'll be living by all our life and in all all eternity by the finished work. Well, guys, we've talked about the cross tonight and more than just the pieces of wood, but what the cross actually meant and what it what it actually was to us. And then we started to talk about some of the ramifications and effects that we receive as a result of that sacrifice of perfection. So what we're probably going to do next episode is discuss some more of those ramifications and effects. But until then, we thank you all for being here. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast through whatever podcast uh, application you might use. And we welcome you to contact us via email or on our Facebook page. And this is Ajay Mark and Tim signing off until the next time. We would like to thank you for listening to The Unveiling. We hope you have enjoyed it enough to consider subscribing and sharing with others. We welcome your questions, comments, and feedback. You can reach us via email at theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com or find our Facebook page at The Unveiling Podcast. For IJ, Mark, and myself, God bless, and we will talk with you next time.